Hello captives and captive friends and welcome to episode 76 of the Global Captive Podcast supported by Legacy Specialists R&Q. My name is Richard Kutcher and we have a very special episode for the next 25 minutes or so which was recorded at the European Captive Forum in Luxembourg in November. It went slightly under the radar earlier this year, I think about the summer, when Enel Insurance, the single parent captive owned by Italian energy multinational Enel, became the first captive to become a signatory of the United Nations Principles for Sustainable Insurance, referred to often as the PSI. Now, Enel has a long track record of embracing and investing in renewable and sustainable energy practices, including being the first to design and install smart meters in 2001, and the first private company in the renewable power sector to be listed on the Dow Jones Sustainability Index. And this step by the captive to sign up to the PSI is a good reflection of a group-wide approach to meeting sustainability and ESG targets, which we'll hear about in the coming episode. In this conversation recorded at ECF, I am joined by Antonio Navini, Head of Insurance in the Netherlands at Inel, Butch Bacani, Program Leader for the UN's Principles for Sustainable Insurance, and Kieran Healy, Chief Commercial Officer for EMEA at Aon Global Risk Consulting. Antonio will explain, among other things, why Inel was wanted to be the first captive to become a signatory of the PSI. Kieran explains the work that went into that signatory and whether he expects other captives to follow suit. But first, Butch begins by providing some background on the principles for sustainable insurance. So, uh, Butch, great to have you on to the Global Captive podcast. I uh, heard a lot about you, so it's good to meet you in person. Can you explain for our listeners um, what the principles for sustainable insurance are and what role the UN believes insurers have to play with regard to sustainability and the environment? Pleasure to be here. The principles for sustainable insurance are a set of global uh, sustainability principles that were developed by the United Nations together with the global insurance industry. Uh, they were launched in 2012 at the UN Conference on Sustainable Development. And the master narrative is simple. The principles are meant to harness the full potential of the global insurance industry as risk managers, insurers, and investors in tackling a wide range of environmental, social, and governance issues or sustainability issues be it climate change, um, nature and biodiversity loss, ecosystem degradation, pollution and waste, all the way to um, social issues like human rights and financial inclusion. The principles were, uh, are based on the spheres of influence of an insurance company. Uh, so there are four principles. Principle one is about how you are embedding ESG issues into your core business, be it strategy, underwriting, claims management, all the way to investment management. Principle two is about the insurance industry value chain. If you're an insurance company, how are you addressing these issues with uh, brokers, uh, with reinsurers, and your clients and your suppliers? Principle three is about working together uh, on these issues and engaging with governments and regulators and civil society to promote widespread action. And principle four, just like any initiative uh, these days, you need to demonstrate accountability and transparency on how you're implementing the principles in your core business. Now, these principles that were launched in 2012 
have led to the largest collaborative initiative between the UN and the global insurance industry. We now have uh, over 220 insurance organizations around the world who have uh, signed on to the principles. And the insurers who have signed on to these principles represent around one-third of world premium and around $15 trillion in assets under management. So what we have now produced is a global community of practice that's implementing these principles. And we have also created collaborative initiatives involving insurance companies and the UN to drive action. And this could range from on the risk management side, how can insurers and the industry better enhance enhance its risk assessment of climate change related risks, for example, that goes 10, 20 years down the road using climate change scenarios and the latest climate science. On the insurance side, how can we make insurance more accessible and affordable, uh, particularly to vulnerable communities around the world, including micro, small, and medium-sized enterprises? And also expanding the role of insurance as an enabler um, of um, economic activities. We have produced, for example, and established the Net Zero Insurance Alliance, where we believe that insurers can play a role through their underwriting activities to decarbonize uh, the real economy so that we can limit global warming to 1.5 degrees this century. And obviously, the role of the industry as institutional investors, we also have initiatives that are using the investor influence of the industry to drive positive outcomes uh, in the real economy and ultimately also support economic, social, and environmental sustainability, which is sustainable development. So that, in a nutshell, is the PSI. Great. And we're going to come back in a second to you, Butch, about about the captive side of this. But one of the reasons we're recording this podcast is is we have with us uh, Antonio Navini from Anel. And Anel's captive was the first captive signatory to the uh, Principles for Sustainable Insurance. So, Antonio, why uh, did Anel and the captive decide to explore being a signatory and and ultimately do it? And and what, what work did it take to do that? Thank you, Richard, for inviting me. Uh, it's a great opportunity. Actually, being a signatory of a, a PSI is the finishing touch of, of a longer process uh, working in sustainability for the captive. So when we understood uh, working with uh, our captive manager that uh, no captives were part of uh, this uh, a wonderful initiative uh, of uh, the United Nations. Uh, we understood that it was time for us uh, to step in and take the lead uh, and uh, try to advocate uh, for sustainable uh, insurance. So for us, it uh, was not uh, being the first, but the need to be the first uh, in uh, um, be part of uh, such initiative and inviting other peers uh, to join us and to start uh, working for a sustainable captive future. Uh, more than a future, I would like to talk about a sustainable captive present. So it's time for captives uh, to join uh, the uh, PSI. It's time to take action. Uh, so we would like to think that uh, others will come soon. So this is uh, our main goal uh, to invite others uh, to join us. 
uh, it was not so difficult actually uh, to be part uh, to, to to be a secretary of a PSI. Some work must be done internally for sure, but I think that anyone can uh, can do it. So uh, it's a great initiative. So thanks so much for inviting us and having us as a as a part of this big family. Kieran, and obviously you were the consultant, I think, involved with your colleagues at Aon in, in making and supporting it now in making this happen. What went into it, into it from your side and what do you need to demonstrate as captive to, to prove that you are a, a valid signatory of, of the PSI? Yeah, thanks, Richard. No, it was, it was a pleasure to work w- with Anel and, and help them. And I guess the starting point is in helping clients understand, you know, the, the sustainability agenda and how it relates to captive, I always refer to the PSI. And so I, I was kind of looking at the white papers and, and the thought leadership that Butch and the team were producing anyway. And it, it occurred to me that, you know, a captive actually has a very unique place in this dynamic. It's, it's sort of the nexus between the real economy or the corporate and I guess what the UN is trying to achieve and the way Butch outlined it. And I think making the captive part of that ecosystem and aligning with, with the structures that Butch has put in place made complete sense. And so, you know, understanding the work that Enel had done anyway, they were quite progressive in their captive and how they think about sustainability. And Enel as a group is obviously leading uh, from an energy perspective in terms of sustainability. It made sense just to join the two together. So there wasn't, it wasn't work as such. There was no, there was no kind of particular initiative that, that we had to do because the reason for that is Antonio and the team already had ESG incorporated into the captive. So it was really just, as Antonio said, put, putting the finishing touch. And, and I guess the transparency of what Enel is doing is now, is now being demonstrated globally. And I think what I expect to happen is that, that that'll kind of be a sort of a, a barometer that we'll use to judge how captives are, are, you know, their stance around ESG going forward. So very simple process, but the reason for that is because of the work that Butch had done and the work that, that Antonio has done. So for, for my role, it was it was just facilitating and it was a pleasure. Just matchmaking. Just matchmaking. <laughs> Butch, you mentioned about, you know, that huge numbers of premium and huge numbers of assets under management of all those commercial insurers that are signatories to PSI. How aware were you, I guess, first of all, of captives and had you previously considered considered a captive insurers being signatories of PSI? Yeah, we're well aware of captives, but when we developed the, uh, the principles um, and launched them in 2012, they were actually designed to be for any type of um, insurer, whatever ownership structure there is, whether you're a stock company, a mutual or a cooperative or a captive insurer. So they were meant to be truly global in that sense, uh, regardless of the ownership structure. Secondly, uh, the principles also were designed to cover all lines of business. So it doesn't matter if you are property and casualty insurer or a life and health insurer, the principles would be applicable to you as an organization and also across geography. So whether you are a global multi-line insurer based in Europe or a monoline insurer based in Africa, the principles are applicable to you. So in that sense, yes, uh, it, it is also meant for captive insurers. Having said that, uh, the PSI is an evolution. It's a, it's a work in progress as we speak right now. We started the discussion with commercial insurers, stock companies, mutuals and cooperatives. Aeon joined us as the first broker in 2018. 
and, and look at what that has uh, led to, yeah. which is a uh, topic today, and this engagement with Enel, um, which is, I think, very, Enel Insurance, which is a very good start on how the engagement with the captive insurance industry could actually be driving positive outcomes there for sustainable development. So we believe this is just simply a work in progress as part of the maturity of the PSI, and we're happy that we are at this stage right now. Great, and hopefully meeting many more captive owners this week uh, at the European Captive Forum. Indeed. Kieran, you and I have discussed previously many times, including on the podcast, the role captors can play in supporting the ESG group strategy. Um, you, you touched on that you'd already been referencing the PSIs in, in some of the work you were doing. Why do you think the, the PSIs are a, a useful barometer or useful guide for, for companies to think about how they use, how they buy their insurance or how they use their captive? Yeah, well, I think Butch sort of outlined it perfectly. When you think about the way he articulates the principles, they do sort of encapsulate everything that an insurer needs to think about. And so a captive is needs to kind of obviously align to that. So the structures are quite principle-based, but there's also a lot of very good and granular work done by the by the PSI that I think you know insurers underwriters captives they can all use and apply so I think from that basis a lot of the work has been done there's a lot of thought leadership and very good minds put a lot of effort into how they think and structure these things so it makes complete sense for captives just to leverage that I think in insurance and probably more generally ESG sustainability it even has different terminology the frameworks are evolving and so it's difficult for, for captive owners particularly, I think, to get a foothold in what they should be doing as a standard. But I think that's where the PSI comes in. I think that is that standard. And if we all abide to that and we all sign up to it, I think what it'll do is it'll homogenize what it all means from an insurance perspective, from a captive perspective. And I think what we'll get out of that is a better ability to translate the ability, the upside that a captive can bring to the whole sustainability agenda. And I think that's probably where the power will be. But, you know, and to, to Antonio's point, that will only really take effect if we have, you know, we, if we have a population that all get behind it, which, which I think we're going to get. And once we get that, I think then we can have a conversation about, you know, how the PSI and the captives can work more broadly. Antonio, is it possible to elaborate at all on how how Enel does use the captive to to complement and help it achieve its its own sustainability goals? You said that there was obviously already a lot of work that had gone into the captive before this moment. Actually, years ago we were started by the group uh, by Enel, which is a, a leader in sustainability, recognized worldwide. Uh, to contribute to sustainability, to achieve the targets of sustainability of the group, like any other subsidiary. And uh, at that time, the first reaction was, uh, we can do nothing, uh, actually. So <laughs> I, hear that. I hear that from other captive owners. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, we, we were pushed to take actions anyway, and we started uh, uh, the management of the company to figure out what we could really do for our sustainability. There are actually many, many actions, many, many things that can be done by a captive more than uh, the, 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 the manager, uh, the management can uh, uh, realize. Uh, for these reasons, uh, we uh, tried to make an implementation of uh, a sustainable framework based on uh, four pillars. The first one is a sustainable finance, a sustainable 
uh, in uh, underwriting and risk management. The third pillar is uh, compliance and governance. The fourth one is uh, reporting. Actually, I have to pay uh, special thanks to uh, Guernsey as Insurance Association because uh, right. I, I I realized that they, they, they were implementing such a kind of a framework. It was extremely, and it is extremely useful for captives to understand uh, what to do. So we started from uh, uh, sustainable finance and uh, now I may say that uh, working with our asset manager, we have a, a real sustainable finance fully, completely embedded in our uh, investment strategy. It's a big achievement. It's much more than a simply approach of having a, a restriction list. It's much, much more sophisticated. Then we moved uh, the, as a second step. Uh, once we achieved the first one, we moved to underwriting. And even in underwriting, captives can do a lot, can help uh, the group uh, to achieve uh, uh, sustainable targets. So you may think, as we did, to have a SDG closest embedded in uh, your uh, international programs. You may be involved in we, with a special uh, coverage for COVID, uh, helping and giving capacity in a very uh, critical moment to the company and uh, you may do many many other things in terms of uh, underwriting when uh, we look at uh, the third pillar com- corporate and governance again is very important that anyone within the company within the captive and i'm talking about the key personnel the the managers the supervisory board members etc they are well educated about sustainability so what is very important is that people are educated the people are involved and they may have a good understanding of sustainability the last thing in terms of compliance and governance is that we need to appoint people internally to the, our organization which is who are accountable for sustainability, for the implementation. Otherwise, we will remain always on a theoretical standpoint. And this is not the proper way to approach the problem of sustainability, the issue of sustainability. The last one is reporting. Reporting means that you have to be uh, taken accountable for what you do. You have to measure your actions. But this is, uh, uh, at this moment in time, the main issue that I can see now that the difficulty in having a measurement of our performance it can be done for uh, sustainable finance but for other pillars is quite difficult so uh, what I look forward to is uh, to be rated by agencies in our performance as a sustainable captive so I invite uh, a batch here uh, to to push the market uh, and uh, in achieving something that uh, captives working on sustainability can be recognized for their efforts for their commitment and to an uh, identified spot who is a pioneering and who is a, a laggard because we have to push the laggard to step in and do more for for sustainability going to jump on that point because I think when we think about the challenge of sustainability the only way we're going to solve it globally is through partnerships and collaboration and if a captive isn't part of that conversation 
It's a very part, important part of the ecosystem. And if it's excluded or it isn't aligned to what the insurers are doing, well, that partnership sort of breaks down. So I think it's only through these sort of initiatives and the work that Butch has done is that we can build that collaboration to actually get where we need to go. So I think, you know, just, just thought it was useful to, to build on that point because I think it's, it's a really important one, Antonio. And uh, of course, Kieran, you gave me the opportunity to say that uh, as a, being a, a senator of a PSI, we need, we want to advocate for uh, sustainable uh, insurance. And we are here to say to everybody, to our peers, uh, my colleagues, uh, please don't hesitate to contact uh, NL Insurance, uh, uh, myself and my colleagues. Uh, we are more than happy to help uh, and uh, to uh, support uh, companies, uh, captives who uh, want to join uh, these, uh, these initiatives. So uh, we are here to help. I'll put your email address in the episode show notes, Antonio, and we'll see if those inquiries come, come flooding in. Um, Butch, I was going to ask, obviously, again, I'll make the point again about those huge billions and trillions of, of premiums and assets under management in insurers. I mean, and now insurance isn't a small captive, but compared to big, large multinational insurers, it's relatively small. But do you think that captives, because of their, their unique direct relationship with the corporate that they're insuring, maybe an energy company or different kinds of companies, that they almost have a kind of a unique role in, 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 in pushing the sustainability agenda in a way that maybe AIG doesn't have as much of that direct relationship? Yes, it's definitely a unique role because uh, part of the theory of change that we have at the PSI is that if you want to achieve sustainable outcomes, we need to uh, work with um, companies in the real economy. And this unique structure of captives bring us closer yeah. to that theory of change. So whether you're talking about the net zero agenda or resilience and the wider sustainability agenda, this just becomes more real uh, in terms of what we can do, what insurers can do, and in uh, supporting and engaging with the real economy so that we can uh, put the global economy onto a sustainable path. So lastly, Kieran, the, the news question, I guess, we, we've, everyone said here is that they're hopeful that Enel won't be the last, you know, be the first, but not the last captive to, to be a signatory of the PSI. Are you hopeful? Do, do you think there are others coming down the line? And does it matter what kind of sector you're in? More than hopeful, I know for a fact that there will be, um, which is obviously very good news. I think what this is going to do and the work that Anel has done is, is sort of, it's a proof of concept that a captive actually has a role to play and can do something very positive around sustainability. Because I think there is a little bit of a myth that, well, the captive is small, I can't, I can't do uh, much around it. But, you know, when you think about the protection gap, captive can potentially access reinsurance. So we can, we can make that connection between the corporate ESG agenda and actual issues on the ground. And I think that's that's a really important point. So I think the work that Butch is, is doing, the work that Antonio has done, I would be absolutely certain, especially after listening to this, that we will get a lot more inquiries and a lot more captives signing up to the PSI. We're recording this at the European Captive Forum in Luxembourg, but it is actually the same week of COP27 um, in Egypt. Butch, I'm surprised you're not there for one, but also, how big a role is insurance playing in, in these COP discussions? Does it come up much? Yes. So number one, I'm happy to be here. Um, <laughs> uh, number two, yes. Um, if, if you look at the history of COP negotiations on climate, uh, that used to solely or largely be in a government agenda. But look at the past COPs. 
business has been there, finance is there, the insurance industry is there. In fact, uh, both on both fronts of the climate agenda, uh, mitigation about reducing greenhouse gas emissions and adaptation and resilience, which is coping with the physical impacts of climate change, the insurers have been at the uh, negotiations at the conference over over the years, and it's becoming even more prominent right now, given the impacts of climate change that we're seeing uh, around the world. So I think it's um, very timely that we're having this discussion during COP27 in Egypt. The other thing I wanted to say is that it's not the only COP this year. There's going to be COP15 in December, which is the UN Biodiversity Conference, which then highlights the other planetary emergency that we have to address, which is the loss of biodiversity and the degradation of ecosystems or nature loss. And at that conference in December in Montreal, there will also be a global agreement similar to the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. So. These two uh, frameworks on climate change and biodiversity, these are part of the global agenda to achieve the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And what we're seeing right now, what science is telling us, uh, the global economic situation, how communities are being impacted, there's simply a basic agenda that we want to achieve in this UN decade of action. Number one, we need to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half if we are to achieve net zero by 2050 and limit uh, global warming to 1.5 degrees. That means avoiding catastrophic runaway climate change. Number two, this decade of action, we need to reverse nature loss so that we can achieve a nature-positive economy. And then number three, all of these are part of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which is a very core tenet or principle, which is to leave no one behind. So this means as we tackle climate change and nature loss, as we transition the economy onto a sustainable path, that transition has to be inclusive and socially just as well. So this is as much an environmental agenda as it is a social and economic agenda for all. And look, obviously, we, we hope everyone listens to the podcast and, and finds the podcast. Uh, and hopefully this has been a nice explanation of, of some of the work you've all been doing. But um, I believe Aon have partnered with, with the UN to, to publish a white paper on this topic. Yeah, yeah. Just very briefly, um, working with, with both NL and the UN, we've released a paper that, that sort of just goes a little bit deeper into the role a captive has. And it's a little bit of a guide um, rail for, for captive owners to kind of think about where they start on this journey. So hopefully that's going to be of use. And uh, yeah, that's that's released today. And we'll put a link to that in the episode show notes as well. <laughs>